there's the Gemara describes Chazal describe a battle that's going to be fought at the end of days called Goigu Magoig. It's very very vague. This epic war that's going to go on called Goigu Magoig. Two contestants in this fight and a very scary fight. Goigu Magoig. This battle at the end of times. And it's very mysterious, and much has been written about this battle, this epic battle that's going to go on at the end of times. We, we, I certainly don't proclaim to know much about it, and certainly what I say today, I don't like overly simplifying, certainly not, I, I, I want to know the truth, and I don't like just pretending things and pretending to know about things, I don't like doing that. I don't pretend, I don't like in general, certainly I don't like being mevatal things and making believe you're an expert on something you're not. And I do not know about Gaigu Magad much. There was a Yid in Mansi, a massive Talmud Chacham Tzadik. He was a Talmud, he was a very big Talmud of the Rav, Rav Weissmandel from Nitra. He was a big Talmud and a big Tzadik, somebody who did a lot for the Jewish people. And he gave an explanation about this battle that I want to share with you. One of the clues about this battle is Chazal say in Eved, a servant is going to rebel against the master. Somebody who is subservient, some group who is subservient to another is going to rebel in an epic rebellion. This Eved is going to completely go off on the Adon, on the master. And this is going to be a crazy bloody battle because the Eved is going to throw off the Adon. The subservient one is going to throw off the master and it's going to be utter bedlam in this war because some servants are going to throw off their masters and wreak havoc. Great, great Amiram and Tanoim daven to Hashem, I want no part of this. Keep me away from this battle. They cried about it. Now, these are great people who weren't afraid. Rabbi Kiva in his dying moments, killed by Romans, said, I waited my whole life for this. They weren't very afraid of death. They understood this Olam They liked life. The Gra cried upon dying. And life is, is precious and priceless. But Olam was a wonderful reality and a place, a great place, eternity. So, and somehow this battle like frightened them more. Like people who weren't afraid of physical things, this battle was a big fright to them. And Eved rebels against his master. I want to share with you how this Sadik, this Talmud of Rav Weissmandel, viewed what this battle is, what it means. I want to share with you his pshat. I don't want to oversimplify myself. Oh, okay, now I got it. Trust me, there's multiple levels and layers, and this oversimplification we're going to do this morning, understand that it's probably deeper and more complex than what I'm about to talk about, but certainly this too. So I want to talk about this battle. I'm very, very interested in companies and organizations, I'm very curious about it. The reason I'm curious about it, one, is one of my sons is very into business. I do not have a business mind or care much about business. One of my sons is very into business, and my kids' hobbies are very important to me. And my son is very into business, and I like psychology. So the part of business that fascinates me, just because my son's into it, and he was reading, read up tons about businesses. He, Baruch Hashem, started things and, and is, is good at it and has his own investments and studies companies and has worked to, you know, to analyze companies. And he's very, very into that, like the understanding of how companies work. I'm very into the structure of companies. Who's the CEO? Who's the second guy? The third guy? The organization and how the company works well. That part very much interests me. I'm very into a yeshiva functioning in a healthy way. If a guy runs a camp, I have respect a camp, a backyard camp that it runs healthy. I cannot stand an organization where you have the head of a camp and then the second in charge hates the head. The third one doesn't like the second one. Everybody's pulling in different directions. That annoys me. Rev Fisher was starting a yeshiva together with us 
and I begged him. I said, our guys are coming from a Masifta that runs healthy. All the Rebbeim are on the same page. We have a plan. I just spoke to a father for an hour this morning. I apologize being late. I spoke to a father for an hour. Yo-Yo could testify. And my conversation with this father, he was asking me, like tining on the yeshiva, about the off Shabbos. Is he accounted for every minute, my son? After all, he's this age. And I was very firm with the father, we have a plan, you don't have to agree with our plan. And you don't have to send your kid here, I think he can succeed here. And I believe in what we do, but we're very clear what we do. And I am not governing your son every minute over the off Shabbos. And he's not governed every minute while he's here. And I explained to him a plan of how we connect to guys, what type of freedom guys are given. We have 10 years, Baruch Hashem, a track record of hundreds of guys who've become serious, sincere, healthy, growing people. But we have a plan and a system that we believe in that we'll stick to. If you want a lockdown institution, you have come to the wrong place. If you want a place that's going to tell you at 12.03 where your son is, okay, you've come to the wrong place. I believe in a whole different plan and idea, and I explained to him the plan and idea. He's like, I don't get it. Where's my son? Sykes. And after I explained, he was an intelligent man who said, I hear what you're saying. You have a plan. You have an idea. And I hear what I send to. Now, normally, it's very important to me to meet parents. My, I used to do the interview. The main thing was to meet the Bacher. My main thing is I want to meet the parents before the guy comes because I want to explain what, what we're going to do to avoid answers. I can't believe it. You're giving my son so much freedom. Yes, we're going to give freedom. He's going to have conversation and relationship and explain what we're going to do and how the system works, what we're trying. But there's a plan that all the Rebbe and Baruch Hashem we buy into together. We're all different. Each one has their own way and additions and things, but there's a plan that we'll stick to, that we'll execute, and this is what we'll try. Baruch Hashem, it usually works. But I like something that's planned out, thought out, with an exact idea, and then sticks to it. There are organizations that I don't agree with them philosophically, but I admire that they run with the plan and they operate their plan. I'm thinking right now of two organizations. One's a school, one's a chesed organization. Both of them I disagree with, like seriously, a lot of things they're about, Mm -hmm. but I have massive admiration that they run their organizations very healthy. That they run it, they, they do what they say they're going to do, they're organized, they have a clear plan, everybody on staff st- understands the plans, I respect that a lot, I like healthy organizations. In any healthy organization, I remember when we started Waterbury, Rafael Max, my good friend, Rafael, was a wonderful person. I remember he's somebody also today involved in the business world, a very clear, logical person, describing their charts in an organization, who's number one, who's number two and three, who runs, who answers to whom, and a very clear sense the organization has people who answer to the next one, that it's healthy. The worst thing is this one's backstabbing this one who's backstabbing this one in a day camp, in a camp, in any backyard little thing, a mom-pop organization, that it's very clear this is what happens. And you avoid a lot of unhealthy drama. When Rav Fischer Schlitter was starting his yeshiva, and we were zeichet to start it with him, to send guys, to send his first crew, and Baruch Hashem, the yeshiva's off to a great start. I had one condition with him. I trust him a lot. He's a wonderful yid. But I begged him and reminded him over the years, and he's done an amazing job, and guys love it there. You are the Rosh Yeshiva. If one Rebbe is operating in the yeshiva and he's sending guys away from the yeshiva, not like you want, throw him out. Now, I'm not a control guy. It sounds like a tyrant. The Rebbe is to be fired in a second. I said that our guys are used to a healthy environment that's clear. There's no circus. Rebbeim aren't fighting each other. This one doesn't like him. Who doesn't like him? Who's our... It's a healthy organization that runs. There's unity and there's a, there's a sense we're all on the same team. I said it, it's not fair to a bacher to enter a circus. He deserves... He came from a healthy yeshiva. There's something so secure about that and comforting and settling I don't want him to enter into a circus. I want to, and, and Rav Fisher has done a wonderful job. He starts the day he gives muster to the whole yeshiva. 
I love that. It's his yeshiva and his ideals. And he's the least, he's not a controlling, dominant man. He's just the Rosh Hashiva. It's his school. And a Rebbe works there is working for him. And there's a healthiness to the organization. And certainly they're different Rebbeim with different ideas and allowed to flourish and function. All the different Rebbeim with different ideas. But under his yeshiva in a healthy way, a healthy functional way, I asked him start to, to promise me he would do that. He doesn't, doesn't, he didn't do it because of his promise. He's a healthy person. Who Baruch Hashem, the guys go to a healthy system because it works like that. And this is in all organizations, there's a healthy way it goes. Now, when you think about organizations, there are people in organizations who are great number ones. There are people who are great number twos, great number threes. If you know organizations, a certain type of guy, put him at a one, the whole organization's gone. Every organization needs chesed people and din people. There are people who slant as flexible and people-friendly and user-friendly. And then there are people that are very rigid and exact. And there's a need in an organization for all types. By the way, you can tell an organization... If, let's say we talk about two people, and usually a good organization will have two people. One guy who's very rigid at the top. At somewhere at the top of an organization, you'll have a very rigid guy who's never late, who's very like exact and disciplined and that type of guy. That's called a din leaning. So Hashem made people who that's their beauty. They're wonderful people. And they lean to rigidity and structure and discipline. Doesn't mean they're not sweet and nice. That's their leaning, and Hashem made them as such. And then there are people who are chesed personalities, who are flexible and people-friendly, and just their, their, their way is much looser, and connection, and relationship is what they're about. We'll call them chesed people to oversimplify the two types of people. And every organization at its top will have both people. By the way, the entire organization will be very different. Who's the number one? Who's the number two? And you can debate who's supposed to be the number one, who's number two. An organization will typically get the personality of the one who's in charge. So if Mr. Rigid's in charge and he has a balance of a looser person, but the organization will tend to more rigidity because the rigid guy is, the num- is in charge. It's his place. If the owner is the looser guy and he's checked, is checked by a rigid guy, so the organization will be flexible and loose. And a lot's dependent who's number one, who's number two. And I'm fascinated by this type of structure of companies, how it's designed. There are different ways to go. There are different ways to go. It depends what your company's trying to do. Who should be number one? Who should be number two? How it should look? I am fascinated. I don't say you have to be about this part of companies. It's interesting as a total aside. My son and I were reading a book. And he, what he does is, I say, we, me and him are reading. It's like saying, between me and my father, we know all of Shas. <laughs> That's what it's like, sex. My father knows all of Shas and I know the rest. So the saying, me and my son were reading, it means he read the book and he underlines and shows me things I would want to read. That's how we read books together. <laughs> so he showed me reasons big successful companies fail. It's fascinating that one of the reasons is they assume success. They've been successful for a long time and they're like him. Yeah. I so resonated. I mean, Besiata the Shmai, the yeshiva has hundreds, and we've had about a thousand guys come through the yeshiva with a lot of success. Besiata the Shmai. The most dangerous thing is to yawn and say, "Yeah, this is what ha- dangerous, dangerous." Don't stop working. Don't stop bringing it. Dangerous. One of the reasons big companies fail is they don't adjust and change. Times do change. And they assume success. And then they show in this book fascinating examples where the whole market changes. And they just assumed we're going to do... I'm not going to get involved in it. The book doesn't write about the sellers of Crocs. They had a great idea and they sold a lot, but they had no second plan and another wave and a response. There's, you, could, you know, I, I, I'm a sports guy, so it's more, I like thinking in terms of sports. How many major league players came up to the major leagues were ridiculously good the first couple of months? There are many players, and then the rest of their careers, they're flops. Give me names. Names, everybody say. A guy came up... You don't know Shane Spencer on the Yankees? Some more names. Guys who came up, they were like, Hall of Famers, you thought for sure. And then two months in, they're going crazy, and then their career is nothing. Greg Jeffries, you've heard of? 
Say names, Jeremy Rabbi said. What? Jeremy Lynn. Lynn Sanity. Lasting millage, Mets outfielder. Next, next, fighter. Names, names, Hever. Bikios, let's go. Names, hockey, basketball, football, baseball, let's go. Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback. RG3 is injuries, so I don't want to do injuries. Another guy without injuries was great. Kaepernick was a great one. Another one? I don't want to embarrass any person, by the way. I'm not here to be Mavayish, one person we're talking about. This is sports. They tried, they're good guys. So it's, what? Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez, good one. Came out very good. <laughs> good call. Everyone in the world will be in, 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 in wrestling, all sports. It's, it's real stuff. Akiva, it's real stuff. And the word is, it's ve- this is, we can come from businesses in sports. I don't know wrestling well. In sports, in a real way, players come in, they could be amazing. There's so much scale. These are billion dollar industries. The amount of money being made, the amount of money they put in, the baseball player, they discover he can't hit the slider on the outer third of the plate, every pitcher will throw at him, word gets out what he can't do, in wrestling all these sports have millions of dollars the amount of money, billions that are going on, and people study and watch and they make adjustments, they figure out this person can't handle in the clinch, and the, the, the nuance that you wouldn't believe in baseball, they watch for a pitcher tipping a pitch, do you know they've caught pitchers, before he throws his slider, he moves his tongue a certain way. They're spending millions of dollars. They have people watching him. Every time he throws the slider, his tongue moves. They've caught guys with the craziest thing. If a major league player knows a slider's coming, they will kill it. They, the reason they, they can't hit is they don't know what's coming. These guys are the best hitters in the world. If they know what's coming, it's over. And they find the guy tipping a pitch. He moves his hand like an, a little bit when he does a certain thing. And these are all natural habits. He knows what he's throwing. And he like does a little bit different movement. He's finished. Then every player knows when his off-speed pitch is coming. It's a 60-mile-an-hour meatball. No, 60. 74, 77. The off-speed, the deception. You know, an off-speed pitch. They have a way of holding the ball. He throws it with the exact same force as his 96-mile-an-hour fastball. So you're a hitter. He throws it the exact force. And one time it's 97-mile-an-hour fastball. And the other time with the exact movement is a 77-mile-an-hour off-speed pitch because he grips it differently. So it comes out differently. And you saw the same movement. It's de- for a hitter, that's deception. But let's say he has something. He tips the slightest thing he tips. And you don't know. And, you, and, and the hitter knows off-speed pitch coming. He'll crush a 77-mile-an-hour meatball that he knew was coming. He'll crush it. So they watch for these things and they notice these things. Players switch teams and all of a sudden he does great because every other team knew that he was tipping his pitches. His team did not know. They don't have this, they're not scouting their own players like that. They don't have to. And every other team in baseball knew the guy tips his pitches. He goes to a new team who teach him to stop tipping his pitches. And they try to get him, you know, before you throw that, you move your arm a certain way. Every single guy knows what's coming and they're crushing you. And all these things they're studying. The great player makes adjustments back. Hey, they caught that I can't hit the outside slime susceptible, and he makes adjustments. In every sport it works this way, how do you adjust? And this is the story of your adjustments. So this was something I saw in companies that if they don't make adjustments and they just assume success, they fail. You have to adjust. You were very good. Now what happened? What did the other team do back, etc.? But that's not what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk today in companies about who's number one, number two, a healthy, successful company. And identifying who's number one is huge. In our existence, me and you, we have two parts, there are many parts to ourselves. There are two basic parts to ourselves that are a reality of our life. We are very physical people who love some good lunch, delicious. We like poppers, we like a steak, we like physical things. And Hashem built us, we really like this world. We love a good game of football, a great game of baseball. We like physical things. 
And there's a part of ourselves who's very, very physical. We have what's called the body that likes physical things and craves physicality. We also have an neshama. We have this other part of ourselves that craves Hashem, craves growth, craves it. If a guy has all the physical delights of the world, everything at his hand, he is partying all day, she is partying all day, there's a part of him or her who's completely not satisfied because he have a neshama. We have such a complicated thing going on here, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. I have an uncle who I love dearly. It could be, he sometimes even listens to the shirim. He could hear the shirim. I love him. He's a wonderful person. The amount he helps my family, and that's not why I love him. I just have to point that he helps my family a lot. And I love him because he's a wonderful person. He's a giving, generous, kind person. My kids are very close to Baruch Hashem. We love this uncle. This uncle does not love sports. I am a sicko and I love sports. To go to, I have gone to Cavaliers game. He gets a lot of Cavaliers tickets. Today, I think they pay you to go to a Cleveland Cavaliers game. But the Cavaliers were a very hot ticket for a long time because of one guy. The bottom line is that I went to a Cavaliers game with him, me and, me and my uncle Howard. And we went, go to the Cavaliers game. Now, I, to go to any game, I can go to a minor league. I'm a sick person. I can go to a single A game. My wife laughs. I kid you not. I drive in Waterbury. There's a park where they play. I don't know what's wrong with me. I haven't figured it out. I'm working. One day I'm going to figure what's wrong with me. If they are playing in Fulton Park, two, two, two teams, 14-year-olds, Dan Kalish pulls to the side and watches for way too long. And I just watch the game, and I love it crazy guy. I like watching sports. I pull to the side. You can see me if you ever pass by on, on, on Cook Street and I'm sitting there watching two 14-year-old teams that are pathetic and not playing well. They're, both teams are struggling to catch the ball. The catcher can't throw anybody out. Every single's a triple. I don't know why they play with stealing as kids. Every single is a triple. The guy just I think they just put him on third. Like, what do you... I don't understand why they bother. Either they should stop was stealing, where they should teach the catchers how to catch and throw a guy. I don't understand. Like, nobody, I've watched this league now for 20 years that they haven't figured out that the catchers can't throw out a guy, and it's weird that a single's a triple. I think that's awkward that talking about not making adjustments, that they don't do something in the league that we can't throw guys out. I don't, they haven't made any adjustments. Our football league is awesome. We have figured out and make rules that the league should work well. We have a good football league because we like think about making rules that make sense. They have a baseball league. I don't, nobody cares. Maybe I'm the only guy who cares to watch. If they cared, they would stop stealing or they would make the bases further apart or they would teach the catchers how to play. I something would change. But anyway, every single... The bottom line is I like watching... I like watching the sports. That is... Uh, <clears throat> why was I talking about this much, the sports? I got off track. Somebody fixed me up. Akiva, where was I headed? It was one and two. But I wanted to say something with the watching the sports. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I went with my uncle to watch a game. I'm sorry, guys. The bottom line is, is that I like watching the game. It's a good game. I'm excited, Nathan. My uncle doesn't care about basketball. Now, he's a funny guy who loves predicting. He's a wealthy fellow and makes his money predicting businesses. And that's how he makes a lot of money, Baruch Hashem. And he's into like understanding how things work. Like my son, a very big business mind and predicting things. To him, the fun of the game, he kept telling me, Dan, let's decide if this guy shoots the next shot, I'll give you $100. He never wants anything back from me. That's his way. And you tell, if you win, you get $100 and $1,000 and I'll give you a new house. I don't want a new house. I want to see the game. And calmly and peacefully and watch the game. Oh, and Uncle Howard wanted to like make bets and deals and guesses. Who's going to shoot the next shot? Percentages. LeBron's going to shoot. Can you like? But he wants to like figure things out. He has a whole different thing he's looking at. I can't tell you how frustrated I was. I love Uncle Howard. We're not a great pair to go to a basketball. Do a lot together. Just not going to a basketball game together. Because I want to see the game. Now, the body and the soul have different likes, and it's a very complicated shidduch. 
The body loves physical, and the neshama is mo'os. The words the Messiah Shem is the neshama discusses in Eilam Azeh. It's not happy. You can go to the craziest rave, and it's frustrating to a guy, because his body, there's every, the things there that his body likes a lot. And he can like, it's great! Are you satisfied and happy? You have a neshama. It's like so hard, and we're, we're not being bad. A guy going to a rave is the nicest guy. He, and he has a part of him that really like, a rave is so cool. His body gets to dance. The body likes to move and dance. And there, a girl there, his body likes a girl. And there's this, and there's that. And they're all different things that his body's fired up. The frustrating part is you have Uncle Howard and Dan at the same game. It's very frustrating. It's like really annoying. What do you do if you are Uncle Howard and Daniel? That's like really problematic. You know, it's one thing, two guys, so okay, so we won't go to a game together. We'll do a lot of things together. But what do you do if you're like the guy who's Uncle Howard and Dan wrapped in one? I don't know what you do. How do you watch a game? Things get very complex. Because the body really likes the rave, real, and really, that was great. And then a part of you is like sick. And a big part of your chunk, it's very frustrating. And then that big part of you may pray or something, and the body is like, that was horrible. And there's a party, a party that was very, that was encouraging. And we have these two fragments that's a reality inside of us, that's real. That's very, very real. The role model in my life, my father is a person who I breathe, he learns. The amount that he's dedicated to a life of Torah is staggering. I never saw a person who enjoys this world like my father, never, not close. In an honest way, a person who enjoys this world, I have never met somebody like my father. He loves a good tennis game, skiing, water skiing, the outdoors, a rafting trip. He owns boats that he can go rafting, rafts and tubes and all different crazy rafting trips. He likes this world and he learns and serves Hashem. He has, he has what Hashem designed for us away. You know, another name for Shabbos is called Shalom. It's another name for Shabbos Kodesh. Happens to be another name of Hashem. Shabbos is called Shalom, peace. What's peaceful? Is the perfect resolution that the, perf- the person is functioning in a beautiful, cohesive way together. And the way it works is when the neshama is in charge, the neshama is the number one, that we are an Eved Hashem. If a guy is steiging and not taking care of himself, he is failing. His neshama is not doing a good job. If you have a guy going to Israel, he's a flip out. And he doesn't take care of his body. He doesn't give it good times. He doesn't know how to go, take it out to eat when it needs to eat, to rest when it needs to rest, to play ball. He's doing a bad job. His neshama is failing him. The Gemara says, said, A man of kindness is good to his body. You're not a Baal Chesed if you're not good to your body. If you want a glimpse into Tzadikim, now I'm going to ask you to think about this. None of us are at this level. Could you imagine a person, the altar of Kelm's son-in-law described his father more like this. Now please try to visual, this is far from where we're up to and nobody could get there in a minute. Could you picture a person who so identifies with their soul, with their neshama, is so in charge, they give a shower to their body, the same kavana. Did you ever give a dollar to an ani, Ezzy? You gave a dollar. There was you, and you were so nice to an ani. Could you picture a giant of a person who so identifies with neshama, the taking care, they're so identify, they are profoundly neshama, they so identify with the neshama, they take care of their body literally, 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 like you give money to an ani. That is a window into great people of previous generations. The altar of Kelm was so neshama, he took care of his body like you and I take care of an ani. It's like staggering. It makes me like, it's like crazy to think about, Nathan. That he's so profoundly identified with Neshama, he was good to his body, literally. My son and I went to Rebrevda on his deathbed. He was dying. 
the great tzaddik Rebrevda, he spoke about his body, my son and I were like, it was dazzling, it was dazzling, I can't believe what he was saying. He thanked Hashem, he was talking, right, Farks, he was thanking Hashem, he described that he grew up, his body was not strong. He was sick often, Danny, as a youngster, and he described being not a person of strength, and he thanked his body that he squeezed 11 svarim out of his body. He traveled the world speaking. He spoke about his body as this nice person who was so nice and really assisted him on his mission. My son and I were... It was like drool. It was wild. He identified with a sense of spirit. And he has a body and he is his body. But the body was so clearly the second in command and well taken care of, of course. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, when I put Hashem opposite me, David as Melech says, Af my body also dwells in security. My body has it good, of course you take care of your body. In a beautiful way, in a beautiful, comfortable, thought out way, of course you take care of the body. When the Nishama's in charge, the Nishama has it good and the body as well. When the body's in charge, it's not a good number one. It's decisions. Not only doesn't the neshama have it good, the body ironically doesn't have it good. Ironically, the body in charge doesn't do good for the body. Ironically. The neshama in charge, the entire system has it good. And our job, and the site of Avodah Hashem is identity. What am I? What am I about? Who's in charge of me? And when there's a part that we, we, we empower the part of ourselves that's dignified and elevate as in charge, and it gives the body also and is aware of the needs of the body. Shabbos Kodesh is a spitz day when we recognize our Creator. So to the superficial person, Shabbos, I'm like recognizing, like, it's not about me. No, no. It's really something about yourself. What I love about Kiddush, you're not just recognizing your creator. You're empowering the part of ourself that recognizes a creator, that connects to a creator. You're empowering that part of yourself. Did you ever wonder, Shabbos is a day, a lot of physicality. A lot of physicality. Oinig Shabbos. It's a mitzvah to eat. A mitzvah you're supposed to buy. Rev Pinkus, who was a Rebbe of Raifar Kishlita, was a huge Pirish. He separated from Eilam all week. He, didn't, he barely ate. He slept. He, he, he was not a physical person like you and I. He, he was a big Pirish. Shabbos, he would like taste things and enjoy things. What's the deal? He was like literally enjoying and buying nice things. Because Shabbos was the day of identity that the Neshama's coolly in charge. Of course you take care of your body. He was establishing his whole essence who's in charge. Shabbos is the height that the Neshama's in charge. I'm close to Hashem. And then of course you're good to your body. But of course, but of course you take care of the body. And Shabbos is a mitzvah to take care of the body. There are two people that look very alike. They both even have similar days, but it's very cool. Who are they? What's their identity? I love this song. Elul is a day we get, is a month we get back to basics. We'll sing a lot, Elul, you and I together. The song, I know, I know. We'll sing it after the Shavu's not now. But I know, I know, I know. I love that song. I know, over and over we say, I know, Avda the Kudsha Brichu. I, we are Avde Hashem. We are Avdei Hashem. I essence. I know what I am. Identity. In Evadash, it scares me. I don't mind being like a great guy. I picture the Bachar was like, I'm a football player. I'm a basketball player. I'm a, I'm a, par, I'm a rave guy. Okay. I don't want to just be that. So let me go to the base marriage for a few minutes. No, no, no. no. I know I'm an Evadash Hashem. I'm an Eved Hashem. That's my identity. That's my essence. That's what my mission statement. That's what I am. Of course, I have parts and I take care of every part. And Eved Hashem does that. And he's physical and takes care of his body and does all different things. He's an Eved Hashem. 
I used to love watching my father every Friday for 35 years had the same partner. They played paddleball for 35 years. Somebody just invited me yesterday out of the blue and said, I discovered the only wall probably left outside of Brooklyn in the world. There's no paddleball courts in the world outside of Brooklyn. So I thought, there's a wall in Waterbury with four paddleball. I bet even my Farkas doesn't know about this. Do you know about this? I don't know where it is. Yitz Rabinowitz invited me yesterday. Do you know about this? Right, Brownstein knows everything. He for sure knows about the wall. He'll tell you when it was built, Pashat. <laughs> you knew about this wall. Right, 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 Yitzhak Rabinowitz invited me to play paddleball. I'm, I'm not a big paddleball player, but he said he plays with the big ball. That's not real paddleball. I grew up, the real paddleball plays, it's a hard rock-like ball. If you get hit with it, like breaks bones, and it, it's a much faster game. You play with a big bull. I, my father played 35 years. It's like, two, it's like playing basketball six on six, playing with a big bull. I, it like disturbs me. So I told him I'll only play if we do the small. You know what I'm talking about? The rock-like bull. You know the paddle bull. You know, you know paddle You don't play with a big bull. That's six on six basketball. You play paddle bull. You know, you, you, who do you know the bull? Your guy from Lakewood knows it. The hard rock-like bulls. Small. It's either black or blue, and it's you get hit with that thing. Is but anyway, it's like a, literally like a rock. But you know, you ever played paddleball? So my father played thirty-five years paddleball. I always used to think, even as a kid, I saw my father on the paddleball court, and he used to play next to other guy who were there. They're both playing paddleball. <laughs> the difference of the people, and I'm not. I, I don't look bad to other people, wonderful people, such fine gentlemen, they were good players. A lot, my father was paddleball, the inner city game was handball, they play without the rackets. I, want, I wanted to buy them rackets, they probably can't afford rackets, and there's different cultural reasons. They were playing, they wear these like gloves that leave the fingers free and they play like handball, the other guys. And they're wonderful people, but the whole difference here, my father's playing with his partner, two people that are serving Hashem with all their might. And the game is part of the service of Hashem, my friends. The game was not like a little break from the service. If you're a servant of Hashem, you take care of yourself. It's like, it's not a break from service of Hashem. It was part, it's not like they left the base marriage. They never leave, they never leave serving Hashem. These servants of Hashem take care of themselves. Duh. And they play the, <laughs> what's going on is like a different experience. It's service of Hashem going on. And in a service of Hashem, there are all different things and aspects. You go to lunch, you don't have a break in your day. I want every guy to develop a schedule. And I want, I want to speak to the guys to develop. And I know it's slow in coming. Develop a, I don't want you to have all day, like, where do, where do I put myself now? Hey, should I wander on here? I want you to start developing a nice schedule. Put in, a, yeah, breaks. It's hard to learn. The start, I would love a bacher learns three hours a day, but real. So he has a Musravat as an hour. He goes to Rifarkas an hour. That's two hours. He adds a Chavaz, maybe four hours. He adds an hour in the afternoon. Four hours a day is very, very tiring. Anybody who does it, you come to an hour lecture. Some days you like it, and some day, what is Kalish talking? He just talks. I don't know what he's getting at. So it's day, but you commit an hour that. You go to Rifarkas daily, you'll like it. He's saying things that make sense, you'll connect. That's a second hour. You have a Chavrusa, study partner, there's a third hour. Try four hours a day, you'll be wiped. And you'll have plenty of breaks. You have the minyanim, you have meals. I want a guy to get in a schedule. When you're on a schedule, you will not have your religious parts in the morning. Our basketball team goes to play tonight against Wilby as a religious part of the day. They're not different parts. I can't say, if somebody here says the word spirituality, I'll throw you out. Disgusting word, spirituality. Like, I'm a spiritual guy, I'm a physical, and stop, knock off the spiritual stuff. I'm not Abdul the Kutcher, I'm an Ebed Hashem. In your day, your lunch is your base medrash, and your lunch are two things you do as an Eved Hashem. An Eved Hashem eats. We tend to think, like, we watch a football game, we, like, stole away from Hashem. Hashem made me and made football also, because He knows I like football. 
you need to take care of yourself. They're not, life's not divided, the good things and the bad things. You know, when you're little, like, we like a girl, that's a bad, liking a girl, a guy likes a raid because he likes girls. I would make a kiddush. Shabbos afternoon, for anybody who likes girls, we should have one big kiddush to celebrate. It's wonderful, he likes girls. That's a religious part of himself. I hope he marries one and makes a wonderful home. It's one of the most holy things about you that you like a girl. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Once in a bloom when you meet a bacher says he doesn't like a girl, it comes from different traumas, he gets healthy, and then he likes a girl also, and then he builds a wonderful home. So we, we break things up young. This is the from, this is the not from part of me. It's all nonsense. If you like a rave, please come to the Kiddush, the Shabbos. This Kiddush has to be dedicated to all those who like a rave because they like a young girl. Excellent that you like a girl. Now stay away, work on yourself, and then marry one. Excellent. Fantastic. It's not separated, the parts of our life, the spiritual parts. We are Avdei Hashem, who have an Neshama that want to serve Hashem, and the Neshama smartly is the number one in our business. And the Neshama is good to our body, and it gives ourselves paddleball games, and volleyball games, and basketball games, and lunch, and all different things, of course, because it takes care of the entirety of self. Every aspect of ourself. Shabbos is that day when the person is functioning with what's true and taking care of every part of self in a beautiful way. When I see a guy frumming out and he doesn't look healthy, and he doesn't look emotionally happy, I don't say, well, in, in spirituality you're doing great. He's doing lousy. What do you mean? He looks terrible. He looks miserable. He doesn't look happy and comfortable. He's doing terrible. And I don't know what the word spirituality is. If, you, if he's spiritual, I don't know what that is. He's doing terribly. He's not an Eved Hashem who's serving Hashem who's doing the right thing in a balanced, healthy way. There's a part of his game that's off. He's not taking care of himself. Baruch is not eating properly, not giving himself the proper rest and breaks and enjoyment. He's not doing well. And not, not, not even close. And if the guy is serving Hashem and doing the right things, he's doing very well, and the picture of the healthy Eved Hashem, we know how it looks. The person is functioning beautifully. There's a shlemus, there's a wholeness to the person that's resolved, that's working in a unified way. He's figured out how to get Dan and Uncle Howard on the same page. In a functional, beautiful, organized way, he's figured it out. In this system, the neshama is the number one and the body is number two. That's how it works. That's the healthy, functioning person. His identity is in Eved Hashem, and it takes care of the entirety of the system. Says this Yid, this Talmud of Rav Weissmandel said that the battle of Goygu Magig is the Eved rebels against the Master, is the body is supposed to be an Eved to the Neshama. The body is the Eved. You tell your body, I do this with myself all the time. I tell my body, sit and learn nicely, I'll give you such a good lunch. And then you take your body, and your body will try to, oh, this is crazy, I'm sitting here. We'll play a good game. I know you need your time. We're going to play, and then the body so happily sits at Seder and enjoys. The goal is, and the whole system's taken care of. Now, the, the battle of Goygo Maga is the body, the Evid's going to rebel against the other, and you're going to have a day where the Evid's going to try to assert and do some spiritual things, because the other, but, but it's not supposed to be the master. The body doesn't do well as the boss. The body doesn't make good decisions, not for the body, not for the neshama. It's an organization completely dysfunctional. Goygo Maga is a day when the body's going to assert and wreck havoc where the Eved rebels against the Master. There's a, there's a Pasuk which says, it says, <laughs> If you make finicky from youth, your Eved, which means your body, <laughs> in the end, it will be your Master. The body will become the Master. The Gemara describes the body, physicality as the Eved. And if you make finicky, if you teach your body every whim, every whim, I want to go here, and the body controls, the person is a, is a, is a cream puff. You have a person, I love David HaMelech's description of a Russia. 
He describes in Rasha Maish the beginning of Tillim, Kimites, like Shaf, Asher Tidefenu Ruach, that the wind blows. He finds himself here. All of a sudden he's at a rave. All of a sudden he's here. And once in a while he even blows into the base Medrash. But he functions as a person. The body is not disciplined. The body is not controlled. The body doesn't make good decisions, ironically, for the body. The Russia who empowers his physicality, and that's what runs the show, not his intellect, not his neshama, not the part of him that's close to Hashem, that person's described like mites, shaf, asher tedefenu ruach, that the wind blows him around. He finds himself here, and he, he's, he's not in charge by values. He's not in charge by his seichel, by what's true and what's right and important and what I want to be and who I am. He completely ignores his his essence, he ignores what he wants to be, and the, the body just takes him here and there and everything's a mess. And once in a while he's like, uh-oh, there's a part of me that likes Hashem, he even goes to the base Medrash. He's like mites, like chaff, asher to defend ruach. This light thing that the wind just blows around and he finds himself here and there, that is the description of a Russia. I love this song Elul will sing all year, but Elul, is, we sing it a lot. My essence and identity, I know who I am, I know what I'm about. And of course I take care, and Eved Hashem does that every part of myself. But I know my essence and I know my identity. That is what we are striving to achieve. We're striving to achieve that we gain a sense of what my identity. If I would describe the guys, we just graduated last year, 111 guys or something in, of the, around that size. The, av- the typical guy walked down, they look cool, nice hairstyles, good looking guys, cool guys. They're Avde Hashem, the typical guy, the average guy. They know who they are. Avde Hashem. Erluch, good guys, who are gishmak, who, who and, and, and they do, they, they sing, they jump around, they dance, I'm an Eved Hashem. My identity, what I am, that is the fight we're fighting for, my friends. We're fighting a fight for identity that claims who we are, what we are, who's number one, how does our organization run, what's it about. There are two guys whose schedules look very similar, but one guy's not in Eved Hashem. He'd never sing or say, I'm not Abdul Kushabrichu. You'll get used to Waterbury music. We don't sing a lot of songs. Because the songs we sing are targeted. We're trying to say something, sing something, feel something, believe something. So you'll see, we don't have like an array of hundreds of songs. And you know, just we'll break out in a kol barama nishma. It's a beautiful song, but we're trying to say something. I know that Kutshebrich is an Elul song because we're gaining identity of who I am. Of what I'm about. And as such, the different things I do. In this world is not broken up. You won't hear speeches. This is bad. This is terrible. This world, Hashem made a beautiful world of good things. Paddleball's great. You have to know when to play, how to play, how to fit it into your life. It's a world of beautiful things. Girls are wonderful. Marry one. It's a world of good things. Then we study Torah. What is what place, value, time, how? All empowered and charged the Eved Hashem who puts it into and organizes his life and his day. I want you to have a wonderful day that you built knowing I'm an Eved Hashem and then build a day that reflects that and a good day that, that, that talks to every part of yourself and helps every part of yourself. Build good learning throughout my day. Build, and Be'ez Hashem, as we gain strength, we can learn even more time and spend more time in the Be'ez Medish. And that's part of our process of growth, part of how an Eved Hashem. But we're fighting for who runs our organization. That's the battle. To develop a sense, I know I've, I want to sing, the, we're going to sing the song now, but the plan is to also mean it as we go along, yes. That's the plan. The plan of growth and steigen is to sing it and mean it. To decide who's in charge, how we're structuring our day, what's our deepest values, and to live that way. I mean, how did tie into the switching of the plan by the baseball? Where he does a little... What? I'm talking about when he switches up, like, where, where he needs to turn sign and then he figure out... I was just going in a side about companies, about making adjustments, not just keep doing the same things. So I was talking about what brings down companies. 
That was a total aside. The main point with companies is clearly who's in charge, mission statement, what you're about. And I'm talking about a human being that it's very, very important what I'm about, who's in charge of me, who's setting up things, who's being kaveya, what I'm doing, what my mindset. So it's not moments of spiritual, it's nothing to do with that. If I'm in charge and empowered that I'm an Eved Hashem, and then it takes care of every fast myself, unhealthy. A person functioning, Nathan, as a healthy organization is delicious. It's like, wow. You could see a person that whole, and every part of what they are, but they're controlled and decided by, and then each part is, is, is resolved and worked out. That's a healthy company. That's, that's what I was coming to say. Let's sing to If will oblige me. This song is in Brich Shmei. The words are in Brich Shmei. When they open up the Sefer Torah, there's a prayer we say in Aramaic. In Brich Shmei, we say a prayer in Aramaic. When the, when the Aaron is open, a gorgeous prayer. And over there we proclaim, I know Abdul the Kodesh Brich, I'm an Eved Hashem. I'm an Eved Hashem. That's, that's what I know my essence. Please sing it with me and let's work towards believing it and living it. I know, I know, I know, Yavedo de Kodesh Abedeyecho. I know, I know, I know, Yavedo de Kodesh Abedeyecho. I know, I know, I know, Yavedo de Kodesh Abedeyecho. No, I know, I know, I've been doing the Kodesh Abedu. Oh, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I've been doing the Kodesh Abedu. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I've been doing the Kodesh Abedu. Somebody asked me, somebody who listens to the shirim said, I enjoy the shirim, but when they sing, please move the phone away from you. And I mamish get them. So I asked Hevra, we'll, we'll sing better and louder, we'll get more comfortable, and then we'll move the phone more towards Yitzi and Nathan the Hevra. But um, I ask everybody, Michal, it will take time. Right now, if I move the phone away, me and Yitzi Reis are singing duet. Maybe I'll move it near Yitzi Tach. But the Hevra will join in. You won't hear me soon. It will take a little time.
Let's go to Gemara Shir, my boy say.